Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 260, and today we are talking about books being released on May 19th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. How's it going? It's going all right. Um, Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks of, you know, just a couple of long weeks. (laughs) I think everybody can probably relate at this point, you know, going into so long of being at home and it's getting nicer outside and you just want to be outside but we got to be safe so yeah well I mean luckily for us we can go outside like in our yard yes. um, which is something it's absolutely gorgeous here today it's absolutely gorgeous but it was a really rotten week I had a rotten week it happens so I have a really bad attitude today <laughs> and uh yeah like yesterday I was like I cannot record I, I'm not feeling it and I'm just so super cranky and yeah I was having like the worst day and then I looked out my window and I was like why is there a blue dish sponge on the ground and then oh, I realized boy. it was a bird it was the <gasps> brightest blue bird I have ever seen I've never seen a blue bird in our yard and I got my boyfriend's and I showed it to him and it just about broke me I was just like, the world is so beautiful and ugly at the same time. And uh." the bird was so amazing. I mean, just like neon blue. And and I was told by the internet that it is an indigo bunting. uh, And I've never seen one. We have all kinds of birds in our yard this year that we haven't seen in a long time or like haven't seen this many of before. um, Because nature is just like, hey, everybody's kind of quiet right now. Let's move back in. So this bird bird just like turned my whole week around. It was was amazing. That's so cool. But I'm still kind of cranky today and a bit flip, so we'll see what happens. That is just fine. Yeah, well, it's okay to have to just take a breather sometimes. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that it doesn't happen more often to me. I've been feeling pretty okay most of the time. Um, But this week I was just like, not having it. (laughs) So at least there are good books. Um, All of my books, as I was telling you before we started recording, Tirza, are super downers this week. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. Uh, But before I bring you way down, we're going to hear from our first sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. Okay. 
So my first book, it's not like a super downer. It's very inspirational, but also it's very sad that it's even necessary. And yeah, it is The Undocumented Americans by Carla Cornejo Vita Vincencio. Um, it is a memoir about her life as an undocumented American and also the lives of other people uh, that she interviewed. Um, she went on a trip shortly after the 2016 election because she rightly believed things were going to get harder for people in the country who were undocumented and people who are on DACA. If you don't know what DACA is, it means Deferred Action on Childhood Arrivals. For instance, it's basically like if you were a young undocumented immigrant who arrived in circumstances beyond your control, being like you're a small child, your parents brought you into the country, you know, you couldn't get yourself here. Um, and so it allows them to stay. However, uh, Trump has tried to end DACA. Um, he tried to end it in 2017 and there were all these lawsuits and they said that until the lawsuits were settled, he they had to renew um, the people who were here under DACA. And there is supposed to be a ruling by the Supreme Court any day now uh, saying whether or not he can repeal it, which I was reading an article this morning. Um, 200,000 people who are on DACA are working in the front lines uh, against the coronavirus right now. So to, like, repeal it and kick them all out would be just, I mean, to kick anyone out is just horrible. Um, and But that's what's going on right now. And uh, Carla Cornejo Vita Vicencio is uh, one such person. Uh, who is an undocumented American. She came here as a very small child from Ecuador. And after the election, she decided to set out and document stories of the undocumented. Um, and not just like the stories of crossing the borders, which is what we hear all the time, what we hear on the news, which is what is politicized all the time, but also just the day-to-day -day lives of these undocumented people who only want what everyone wants to you know what we want. They want a good life for themselves and their families. Um, she talks to someone who worked at Ground Zero cleaning up. She talks to a family whose father couldn't get health care because he was undocumented. He had cancer and he could, was refused treatment because he was undocumented. Um, it's, these books are hard to read, all of the books that I'm going to talk about today, uh, because they're just heartbreaking. This is like a cl an up-close look at the ugliness and heartbreak caused by the actions of people who were simply luck lucky enough to have been born you know, within these borders. And it's very important. It's, it's an incredibly important book uh, for people to read. And she's done an amazing job. Uh, so it is called The Undocumented Americans by Carla Cornejo Vicencio. Okay, so I think I'm going to switch the order of <laughs> this some is, books that I was going to talk about because... Is, I just looked down and I was like, woo, switching gears. <laughs> no, but I'm actually going to switch my order because there's a book that I was going to talk about later down, but I feel like it's going to be like a nice sort of tie into the undocumented, undocumented oh. Americans. Well, and so right, I'm going to talk next about We Are Not From Here by Jenny Torres Sanchez which is a YA novel about the migrant journey from Guatemala to the U.S. And it is also not exactly um, an easy book to um, read, but it's so important. So it's, yeah, technically YA, great for readers of all ages. It's the story of three teens from Guatemala who find that their lives are in serious and imminent danger from this criminal in their hometown. So they have to make this really impossible decision to just leave their hometown and head north for the U.S. So um, this book is about three 
main characters, Pulga, Chico, and Pequeña. And Chico is an orphan who lives with Pulga and his mom. And Pulga's mom is best friends with Pequeña's mom. So that's kind of how they all know each other. And at the very beginning of this book, Pequeña is pregnant. And like it's very clear that she is not happy about it. She doesn't want this baby. But nobody in her life really knows why. Like They don't ask her who the father is. They just are like, okay, you're pregnant. We're going to support you. Um, which is awesome, except for she doesn't want this baby. So early in the book, she goes into labor. And while she is laboring, Chico and Bulga go to the corner store um, for some Cokes and some fireworks to celebrate this baby's arrival. And they're in the back and they end up witnessing the store owner's murder by this local man. And the the murderer doesn't see them, but they, they know what happens and they know who killed him. And they're, like, terrified because they know that, like, this is a small town. Like, they probably can't get away with not have, having been seen or having gone undetected. And sure enough, not very long after this, the this man who, who killed the store owner um, recruits them into, like, I don't know, his gang and starts forcing them to do violent acts on his behalf. So meanwhile, Pequena's had her baby, but she still doesn't want this baby. She's finding it really difficult to care for him because it's this really horrible, painful reminder that the baby's father is actually this man who is also forcing Pulga and Chico to, um, into a service. And you find out that she doesn't love him. He really came onto her and forced a relationship onto her. Um, she was too afraid to say no to him. He thinks that they're going to get married. He's going to take her away from his home, from her home and have her and the baby move in with him. And she absolutely doesn't even like him, definitely doesn't love him. So things are like really bad and it becomes very clear to them one night that the three of them need to leave and they need to leave like immediately. So they do so. And the bulk of this book is about their journey through Mexico to the United States on La Bestia, which is the train that many migrants um, ride to get north. And it is extremely dangerous. Like it's very difficult to get on it and to get off of it. Um, there are people who bribe the train driver to stop so they can kidnap people and, um, ask for ransom. It's, um, like you can lose a limb or lose your life getting on and off. So it's very, very, um, very sad and it's very hard and it's a hard book to read. You know, it's written for a YA audience, so it's not like the details are brutally graphic on the page, but, um, you know, it's still there. Um, there's violence, there's death, there's degradation, there's um, talk of rape. Um, what I think that the author does really, really well is she shows that this journey north is traumatizing for the people who make it. And then they arrive in the U.S. and they are further traumatized by how we treat them. So it's it's not it's not easy. Um, I would say at the end. They're, the characters are not okay, but they do hold on to hope. Um, so I think that that is um, that that is what makes this book so heartbreaking. I think um, because they go through all of this and they still have hope at the end for a better life, which is why they um, make this journey in the first place. You know, these three 
young people are completely alone in the world and it's hard. And um, I don't know, I just I'm feeling like I'm getting choked up just thinking about having read this book. Um, I think that what the author did um, was she really humanized um, this migrant experience in such a way that I don't I don't understand how anybody could read this book and then feel so heartless towards the very real people who are living in cages at the border. Like, it's just, it's shameful. So, um, I, you know, there was another book earlier this year that got a lot of criticism for about the same topic that, um, you know, people were criticizing her for not having a truthful um, account of what this journey is actually like. Um, I have not read um, any commentary or reviews from other Latinx authors about this book, particular book um, because it has just come out. But uh, having read the book and then knowing some of the criticism from that other book, I do think that this is probably a pretty, pretty good, authentic book about this this terrible struggle and this terrible journey that a lot of people go through and there's an author's note at the end where the author acknowledges you know her her background and she also talks about how um you know for so many people like you you can't really know what this journey is like unless you've gone through it um and she's done her very best to portray it as accurately as possible um i definitely think this is uh, an important book, though. So, again, that is We Are Not From Here by Jenny Torres Sanchez. All right. I feel like I should talk about something lighthearted right now, but I don't have <laughs> anything. <laughs> um, so, we're just going to move on to my next pick, which is just oh, such a beautiful debut novel. It is Latitudes of Longing by Shubangi Swarup. And it is set in India. It is interconnected stories about the lives of people who are looking for human connection, who are looking for other people, who are looking for meaning. Uh, there is a mother who is uh, seeking to have her uh, son released from prison. Uh, there is a geologist. There is a scientist who is studying trees. There is a clairvoyant who talks to these trees. Um, it is a beautiful book for our time and this time when people are, you know, lots of people are at home with not a lot of connection going on right now. And it also fits in with the book Weird that I read a few weeks ago or a month ago. Um, she talks about how if you think about the people that you know, Lots of people seem like, yeah, they've got a lot going on and they talk to a lot of people. But actually, a huge majority of the United States population and the population of the world thinks that they're lonely. They feel alone a lot of the time. Uh, and this is like a perfect book for this time. Um, it's just such a lyrical debut. It's it's set in varied terrain around India. There's mountains and islands and deserts. And there are varied creatures, not just humans, but there's also a yeti who is in search of things and a turtle. Um, just wildly imaginative, but also the author asks the reader to sort of use their imaginations too. Like, you can't just read this and be like, well, that's not going to happen because you just have to go with it. It's just so beautiful and alive with life. Just like this, such amazing descriptions of the sights and sounds of love and war and heartbreak and nature and the effect that we have on these things and each other. I just loved it so much. Also, I think I found my next tattoo. 
There is this line Ooh. in the book that says, life is more than the sum of its breaths and terrors. And I was like, oh, that's a tattoo if I've ever read one. <laughs> so that might be my next one, possibly across my forehead. Um, it's just so beautiful. And I think, if I remember correctly, this was delayed by like a month or so. Uh, so I'm very excited I get to talk about it now. It is Latitudes of Longing by Shubangi Swarup. That is a fantastic title. Yes. It's a beautiful cover. It's an amazing book. All right. All right. So I'm going to lighten things up a bit with my next pick, which is Beach Read by Emily Henry. And I love this book so much. So it's a romance and it is set on Lake Michigan, which I totally dig being a Michigander. Um, And like, I think most people who've never been to Michigan or have seen Lake Michigan in person don't realize just how gorgeous our Lake Michigan beaches are. They're beautiful and sandy and, you know, they're waves, not as big as ocean waves, but they can be pretty, pretty intense. Um, And also, like, no, you can't see Wisconsin from the lakeshore. Like, these lakes are huge. And so... I've spent a lot of time in like the small touristy beach towns up and down the West Shore. So I feel like the beach town that Emily Henry has come up with, it's this fictional little town called North Bear Shores, is pretty recognizable and authentic. And um, she just did a really great job with it. You know, Emily Henry's from Ohio, but I think we can forgive her because she writes Michigan super well. So this book is about January and Gus, who were rivals at University of Michigan. And they are now, like almost 10 years later, um, published authors on January writes romance and Gus is a literary fiction writer and Gus is kind of hailed as like the next Franzen and January has gone on to have like a pretty successful record as a romance novelist although she's nowhere near as famous as Gus. Um, so the book is told from January's point of view and she has lost her writing magic because a year earlier her dad died unexpectedly and when he died it came out that he had this mistress and a second home in his hometown in Michigan and he has left this house to January and January is like pissed because she thought her parents had like this most magical wonderful romance and it's like her parents relationship is what taught her to believe in romance and which led her to become a romance writer herself um so she does not want to have anything to do with the fact that her dad um you know had this mistress and has a second home but she's also broke because she's lost her writing magic and she has this book that's way overdue and so it's summer and she heads to the beach house planning to pack it all up and she's going to sell it and she's going to take the summer to finish her novel. And that's when she discovers that Gus is her next door neighbor. And they have a bit of an antagonistic relationship at first when they realize like, oh, it's you from college. Um, but they do end up striking this really unlikely friendship that is still kind of antagonistic, but funny. And when it comes out that they both have writer's blocks, they challenge each other to switch genres for the summer. So January is going to write like a serious book with an unhappy ending. And Gus has to have a happy ending in his book. And needless to say, that comes with some really funny moments and misadventures as they're teaching each other about like this is how you write serious literary fiction and this is how to craft a great rom-com montage scene. Um, it's pretty funny. And so they also, part of their challenge is like, no, we can't fall in love with each other. But uh, spoiler alert, they totally do. 
Um, so both January and Goss have some like pretty serious emotional hangups that they need to work through. Um, mainly like January doesn't believe in romance anymore and she's refusing to really process, you know, the secrets that her dad kept. Um, but it's a really great book. I love the snarky humor. I liked the kind of, um, inside peek to the writing world. Uh, it felt like it was a pretty faithful um, look into what publishing is actually like. And of course, I love the setting. So I definitely recommend that you make Beach Read your Beach Read, um, but only if beaches are open legally and safely this summer. Otherwise, <laughs> be safe, social distance. Um, so that's Beach Read by Emily Henry. I haven't read this, but so many people I know have read it and loved it. So it is on my list of things to read. Um, Back to the lakes near where you live. They're enormous. They're giant. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I just went to Chicago, which is, you know, obviously not in Michigan. And I couldn't believe, I was like, what is that to the right of us that we're driving by for like several minutes? They're like, that's a lake. I was like, what? That's enormous. That's not a lake. But also, um, the thing that is saving me this week is that I just started watching Steven Universe, which within like the first few minutes I realized was probably the greatest thing that I have ever seen. And I watched 26 episodes yesterday, which sounds like a lot, but they're only 11 minutes long. So, um, but it's set on Delmarva Peninsula, which I had never heard of before somehow, which is like Delaware and parts of Maryland and Virginia, like the shore and the beach there. Somehow I lived my entire life never once having heard someone say the word Delmarva, which it uh, just astounds me. Um, but I really just want to talk about Steven Universe, I guess, is one of the points <laughs> of that was. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, just all kinds of crazy bodies of water in this country. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I love our lakes. And it's always so funny to me because people are like, oh, it's really big. And it's like, yeah, you know that there are actual shipwrecks in these lakes because that's how big they are. And when the weather happens on them, it's intense. That's wild. Yeah. Okay, so now allow me to really bring the mood down. This next book is so good, but so heartbreaking. It is The Prettiest Star by Carter Sickles. It is another book that I looked forward to talking about and then got delayed, and now here it is. Um, but first of all, I picked this book up simply because The Prettiest Star is one of my favorite David Bowie songs. And so I was like, ooh, maybe that's named after the David Bowie song. And it turned out to be like one of the most heartbreaking, gut-punching things I have ever read. Um, this book will absolutely ruin you. But that's okay. That's a good feeling sometimes. Uh, it's about a young man named Brian. He lives in Ohio. It's the 1980s. He's 18 years old and he is gay and his parents are not happy about it. Uh, they are being very horrible to him about it. Obviously, he's living, you know, in Ohio in the 80s, so he can't just go around telling everybody he's gay and finding acceptance because people are bigoted and it's it's not talked about back then. So, he decides to go to New York City. Um like a lot of young gay men did at that time uh, because it's, you know, there's a lot of places for him to go and the city is dazzling. And he's 18 and he has his whole life ahead of him. Uh but it is 1986 and People have only just started talking about AIDS, and while Brian is there, he unknowingly contracts AIDS. Um, and at the beginning of the book, his lover has died from the disease, and he is uh, making these videos where he's talking about like his experiences. And over the next six years, everyone around him, like many of his friends and people that he knows, dies from AIDS, and Brian himself is dying. And so 
he writes to his family because he wants to go home. He wants he wants to die at home. Um, so ugh, it's just like makes me want to cry just like starting to talk about it now. Um, it's told in alternating chapters. Uh, the other chapters are narrated by his mother and his sister. Um, and it's about the extreme homophobia and fear surrounding AIDS and and queer people at that time. And so it's it's a very necessary look at this disease. You don't get it a lot in novels still. And also you don't get a lot of uh, looks at parental responsibility, um, how their bigotry and hatred affects their kids and their queer kids especially. Uh, and so you just have this kid, and I mean, he's like in his 20s now, but he wants to go home and to the family who rejected him. And then you have this family that turned him away who are feeling guilt and shame um, and the grief of all of this. And it's so heartbreaking. I'm like, I'm not exact. I know I've said heartbreaking like 50,000 times this episode. It is. It's so heartbreaking, but it's such a good novel. Um, so I'm going to stop talking about it because I will start crying. It is The Prettiest Star, and it is by Carter Sickles. And now, a word from our sponsor. Okay, Tirza, what do you have for us? Okay, I have another happy book to just balance Yay! your sad books out. <laughs> um, yeah, so my next pick is Real Men Knit, and this is a romance centered around a knitting shop in Harlem. Oh, it's Real Men Knit by Quana Jackson. Um, so, okay, it's pretty happy and pretty light, although it does open with some tragedy. Um, so it's about this shop called Strong Knits, and it is owned and operated by Mama Joy, who sadly dies right before the novel begins. The book picks up right after her funeral. So her one and only part-time employee, Carrie, is pretty devastated about this turn of events, but not as devastated as Mama Joy's four sons, who obviously loved her. And they aren't really sure what to do with the shop. The shop isn't doing so well financially, but it's a landmark in their neighborhood, and it's hard to imagine their neighborhood without it. So then Jesse, who's one of Mama Joy's four sons, decides that he wants to make a go at keeping the shop afloat. Um, because unlike his brothers, Jesse has never really found like his thing. He doesn't really have a career. He doesn't really have a calling. So he's bounced around from job to job a lot. But he kind of gets excited and he thinks that maybe saving the shop and running it could be his purpose. But of course, everybody is skeptical. So they get Carrie to agree to stay on for a little while to help like get things set up and train Jesse. And Carrie is like more than happy to help out the shop because she really loves it. She's um, she feels like the shop really kind of saved her as a kid because um, she didn't have like the greatest childhood. And so she learned how to knit and she found refuge there. Um, but she's a little bit nervous about working with Jesse and she's had a crush on him since they were kids. But she's never, ever, ever acted on it because Jesse is a notorious player and she's like not about to be one of many girls who, you know, makes a move to her towards him and then is heartbroken. So Carrie's also a bit serious. She's, you know, taken a little bit longer to finish school, but she's recently graduated and she's on the hunt for a full-time job and she just like doesn't want to play games. However, Jesse finds that working with Carrie 
and then also like grieving his mom and really considering like the legacy that his mom left and having a purpose in this knitting shop is also giving him a bit of a second chance and so he decides that he wants to be responsible and do the right thing by his mom's legacy and by Carrie um so of course these two are like insanely attracted to one another and there are some really great little twists and developments that continually throw them together um, but this isn't like a romance with like this giant conflict or force keeping these two apart. It's mostly just them learning to communicate and be honest with one another and figuring out like, okay, can I trust you? Like if we're going to do this thing, um, can we both be adults about it? So I also just really love this knitting shop setting. So I'm a big knitter. Um, and I thought it was really fun. I think this is like a really great fun and diverse update. Um, you know, the knitting romance novel subgenre. Um, it's set in Harlem. So um, the the men in this novel, too, like they also knit and they're not ashamed about it. They run these workshops for um, the youth in their community and they really encourage young boys to learn knitting alongside the younger girls. Um, and there's this really great subplot where one of the boys is being bullied. Um, because he likes knitting and like the men of strong knits come together and they kind of come to his rescue in a really awesome way to show that like hey real men knit and it's just so wholesome and delightful and so you know if you were a fan of the wedding party or any of jasmine's romance books like i think this is also a really great pick for you and it's a good pick for anybody who likes fun contemporary romance that is sexy but um the sex scenes actually are kind of more like fade to sheets sex scenes so this is just a fun romance and that is real men knit by Quana jackson okay so my last uh book for today is actually not a book that i've read not a book that anyone has read because there are no advanced copies i thought maybe we could just talk about it for a minute it is going to be the biggest book of the year and that is, of course, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, which is a prequel to the Hunger Games trilogy. Uh, the yes. last book in the Hunger Games trilogy came out in 2010, and Suzanne Collins has not written a book since then. People are super excited about this book. I heard some people saying, like, they're going to push the date. And I'm like, no, they are not going to push <laughs> this date. We will have a real-life Hunger Games going on. I have no doubt that this will be the top-selling book of the year. Um, and it's a prequel in which we get to see a teenage President Snow uh, preparing to uh, fight in the 10th annual Hunger Games. Basically, it feels like she's Darth Vadering President Snow. Like he's getting some kind of redemption story or complicated backstory. I don't know. Um, have you read the Hunger Games books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I I actually, like, I don't say this to sound like snobbish or like a jerk or anything, but I actually received an advanced copy of the Hunger Games. And like early on, I was like, all in like yes this is amazing and i was like an actual teenager when you know the hunger games came out so i was super excited um yes i'm young um so it was i i yeah i'm super i'm super into the hunger games but i'm uh, i don't know how to feel about this this prequel like i think when it was announced i was like but did anybody ask for this like i'm totally <laughs> fine with the hunger games you know just being as they are but at the same time i i do think she's a good writer and i really did enjoy the trilogy so i'm i'm very 
curious about this book. And yeah, it's for real coming out next week because Scholastic has been in contact with me and they sent me all the, the like the original trilogy. They sent me new copies and they say that they're sending me one as soon as it's available. So I will definitely be reading it. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm I read the trilogy. I also got an advanced copy of the first one, which I was very excited about um, when I read it. And uh, recently, when I was moving books around, I was flipping through it again and realized that it's a signed copy, which was pretty exciting to find because uh, she, Susan Collins actually got carpal tunnel from, from signing so many books and stopped signing like with a pen, just started using a stamp because her yeah. wrists were so bad. Um, so that was very exciting. And I, I wasn't like thrilled with the ending but not like not like you know horribly disappointed like game of thrones television show ending disappointed just like you know it was like but i find that most things don't often end well um so i was fine with it and so i don't know if i'm gonna read this one i am excited for anyone who is excited for it though like yes if this is your thing then i'm you know happy that that you have this coming and maybe it's like the thing that everybody needs right now to take their minds off things i mean I don't know. I haven't. I don't know anyone personally who has been like, "Yes, I want to read this book." But there have to be people out there who are so excited for this. So I'm excited to see, like, or not see, but like hear what people have to say about it. Not see. I mean, you could show me, but I don't know how. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this it's the it's the title that I'm like, huh? About yeah. I guess the most I'm like, what? That's a lot of words. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and they haven't really told us much beyond like it's a president snow book like you their details are so scant it's hard to i mean it's hard for me personally to get super excited about it because i don't know more um but i'm definitely gonna read it partly just because i'm so entrenched in the ya world like i have to read it and i have to know what everyone's going to be talking about and uh yeah. Oh, also, this is like not particularly about ballads of songbirds and snakes, but I met Suzanne Collins like 10, 12 years ago. Um, like, do you remember Borders? Well, you probably do remember Borders, of course. Borders was awesome. So Borders is actually based in Michigan um, or was based in Michigan. And they used to do these like book club videos where they would like get a bunch of fans in an author. And there was like this mansion in, um, you know, Jackson, Michigan, like it was a legit mansion that they would like bring everybody to this mansion and then they would like sit you down in front of like in the middle of this giant living room with a film crew and they would film you talking about books and I did that with Suzanne Collins and she was so nice like just the nicest lady ever yeah it was really really awesome and it was, was like 2008 and so that was before like we all had smartphones and so I had like my mom taking pictures and my mom didn't understand the digital camera so she took like a video of me posing with a picture with Suzanne Collins but I didn't <laughs> actually have a picture of that it was it was horrible um no but it was actually an amazing experience and she so I feel like when somebody who is like super super nice with her readers and with like everybody that she was working with and she was just so generous and kind like when somebody like that experiences like monumental success I'm like super happy for them so that's my Suzanne Collins story but she was so nice so I'm yeah like good for you um I hope that everybody who's excited about this book isn't disappointed um I guess I'll report back next month when I'm back on the show if I liked it or not yeah, I've heard nothing but nice things about her, too, that she's just absolutely so lovely. 
um, which is great. You know, I that's really great. Uh, what I, it does surprise me is that you know this kind of ties into the whole like Midnight Sun announcement. Um, yes, that they announced this so so early on because I, I can't believe that you know in this day and age someone hasn't you know figured out how to hack or find a copy of this you know or maybe just no one's trying i don't know but like look at what happened to midnight sun that was like 10 years ago she started mm-hmm. writing it and said that she was writing it and somebody hacked it and shared shared it and then she said i'm not going to publish this book and now i'm talking about midnight sun by stephanie myers which was like the um story of twilight but told from edward's perspective like there was midnight sun was supposed to come out many years ago and and someone you know shared it on the internet and then she was like, forget it, I'm not going to do this. And so now she has announced that she's going to publish it after all. But I haven't read enough to find out if, like, she's changed it or if, like, she's sticking with those same 12 chapters and, like, going forward or I don't know. But I just can't believe that we haven't heard from people who are like, yeah, I got ballad. <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, I'm super happy because I don't want people hacking, you know, things. That's terrible. But I'm just also very surprised. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Now I'm like terrified about the idea of somebody hacking my computer. Not like anybody would want to hack me, but like just oh, the no, idea no. of I it mean, in like, general. Publish- I mean, like <laughs> publishers and editors, you know, stuff like that. Oh, um, yeah. I'm talking about like, you know, her her personal because like you know how like they can get into celebrities phones and take their photo like you know i don't know Uh, i'm not a hacker i don't know how this stuff works exactly um i just got a new computer and now i'm like worried about someone having like my fingerprint you know taking my (laughs) finger to open my computer so i mean what do i know you know that's my new irrational fear that i was telling you about before the show (laughs) like so i know very little about computers and how that stuff works just, you know, hacking, you know, how you hack that stuff. I don't know. Uh, um, but I thought it would be fun, you know. So in case you just tuned in, <laughs> um, we're talking about The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins, which is the Hunger Games prequel, which is out today. Uh, I'm happy for all of you that get to read it, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. And Tirza, all right. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my final pick, which is not a book that I would normally pick up. It's Happy and You Know It by Laura Hankin. And it's about like mom culture and in particular wealthy, privileged moms of New York City culture. Um, so this is, yeah, not my normal jam. But I was looking at all the new releases for this week and thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about on the show? And I was intrigued enough that I decided to give it a go. So it's about Claire, who is this musician who's in this really tough spot because her band has just kicked her out and replaced her with like a sexier woman who is, you know, just a little bit of a better singer. And she kind of fits into their image that they're trying to project. And she got replaced like right before they got super mega famous. So she's now like almost broke. She's kind of depressed. She her band is famous. Everybody has like left her behind. And she's dealing with these, you know, tough feelings of like, oh, that could have been me. And she needs a job. So she gets this gig as a private, like, children's playgroup musician for this group of really rich moms. Like, they pay her an obscene amount of money to come twice a week to, like, their penthouse apartment and sing to their babies. And so she's kind of like, this is a weird job, but hey, I will take their $600. And she... 
um, kind of observes like their weird relationships and, and the power dynamics that are there. And she's really, really fascinated by it. But she also is like, this is kind of ridiculous. So there's Whitney, who's this super rich, but really sort of bored woman who doesn't have a great marriage. And she's like really focused on becoming Instagram famous. And then there's Amara, who's a former late night show producer, who's now a stay at home mom. And she totally regrets that she's a stay at home mom now. She would much rather be back at work. And then um, her, she and her family are having some money issues because she's a stay at home mom. And then there's Gwen, who comes from like really old money and she doesn't realize that her husband has cheated on her with another mom in the group so there's a couple other moms but you don't really get into their point of views as much and these moms also kind of are harboring this like secret sort of secret uh, which is that there was another mom in their mommy play group right before claire began performing for their babies but she is gone and you as a reader don't exactly know how or why or what happened um, but, you know, you kind of get the impression that, like, she was dealing with some um, postnatal depression. So this is not a super plot-driven book, but it's kind of an interesting character study um, because you get to get inside the heads of most of the characters in the book. And what, that kind of surprised me because I thought it was going to be mostly about Claire. But I think that the author does a really great job at characterization. And if you, you stick with it, it does build to like an interesting climax because everybody has these secrets and they do reach a boiling point. So this book reminded me a bit of Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which I absolutely loved um, because it addresses disparities in class between the moms and you know, the awkward situations that arise when you bring in people to uh, help look after your kids or entertain your kids. Uh, but you do get a lot of interesting stuff about like toxic mom culture and interesting class stuff. Um, I think that Such a Fun Age is a bit more pointed in its critique of class and race, which Happy and You Know It doesn't have, but it's still a pretty interesting book about the dangers of pretending that you're like the super mom or aspiring to unbelievable standards that, you know, you know are unrealistic, but then you're still turning around and perpetuating them anyway. So it's not the kind of book that I would normally pick up, but I definitely did enjoy it. I listened to the audiobook, which the author narrates, and she just did an excellent job with. So that is Happy and You Know It by Laura Hankin. All right. So those are our new books. What are you going to read next? You're going to be thrilled with me, um, Liberty, because I was... Is it the cannibalism book? (laughs) No. Um. I don't think so. Um, No, but I I actually was on the show when this was a new release, and you convinced me to buy it. It is (gasps) The House in the Cerulean Sea (gasps) by T.J. Klum. It's so good. I kind of heard about it, but I didn't know what it was about until I was on the show with you. And like, even as you were talking about it, I was like, I must get this book. And then I kept seeing it everywhere. So I ordered it from my local indie and it just like, it took forever to come, but it finally came last night. So I started it. I'm a hundred pages in. It's so good. Oh, yay. I actually bought a book recently because you talked about it, which is uh, The Blue Castle by Ellen (sighs) Montgomery. I love Um, that. Which... I posted it on Instagram and I cannot believe how many people were like, that's the best book ever when I missed it entirely somehow. Uh, but before I read that, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to read the Scotland Yard puzzle book, Test Your Inner Detective by Solving Some of the World's Most Difficult Cases by Sinclair McKay, um, because I'm 
all about Agatha Christie and mysteries right now, although I can't even find my pants when I'm wearing them, but this will go fine, I'm sure. Uh, but this book recreates some of the most famous cases that the Scotland Yard detectives have faced, uh, and the answers are in the back, so I won't have to bang my head on the desk <laughs> too long, or possibly I'll rip those pages out and eat them, and then just continue to challenge myself until I solve them. I don't know. Um, so yes, yeah, so Scotland Yard puzzle book, then the Blue Castle. Um, and then who knows? Um, but oh. that is it for us today. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you for putting up with my cranky self, Tirza. Um, <laughs> and thank you to our sponsors. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to reach us. Uh, you can find us online. Tirza is Tirza Price on Twitter and also on Instagram, right? Is that yes. the same handle on Instagram? And I mostly hang out on Instagram uh, so I can post stories of my cats. Uh, that is friends and comes alive. And first of all, so Instagram just changes so that when you get a direct message from somebody, you get their actual name instead of their handle. And now I have no idea who anyone is. I'm like, who is this person? It's like, oh, they're book either 6743. Oh, now I know. It's like, <laughs> stop giving me their real name. I don't know who people are. Uh, that's my last complaint for today, I promise. Um, so... Also, if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.